Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Welcome to Morning Walk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York. I'm going to be your host. Today, we're going to touch on um, a couple of issues that I think are going to be interesting to explore. I have been struggling against them lately. And so, you know, I like to use myself a little bit as an avatar because if I'm struggling with something, likely somebody else out there is also struggling with it. So in part, what we're going to be talking about today is a combination of reframing, which is something we have talked about before, but always could use a little bit of re-canvassing every now and then. And then the other part is the struggle of executive dysfunction. Um, we live in a world that is spoiled for choice. And sometimes being able to make decisions when there are so many options can be incredibly difficult, not only for us, but potentially for our clients as well. So I'm going to talk about those things both a little bit, because I think in some ways they are related to one another and doing a bit of reframing can help us put help put us in the right mindset to be able to move forward a little bit more effectively. But I'll begin with the first issue. So just as an example, um, I've mentioned a few times this year, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing hard into publishing this year. So as you know, I've already written several novels. Um, I intend to write several more. I would like to use the rest of my skills in the realm of art as funnels toward the books because the books are evergreen content that are highly available across multiple streams and they're highly scalable. Um, which means that I could potentially sell a book to tens of thousands of people, much more difficult to sell a piece of art to tens of thousands of people. Um, particularly if the art that you create is highly niche, then it's it becomes a little bit more of a struggle. So I'm pushing hard into that this year, which means I'm going to have to learn a little bit more about selling books. I know about selling some things. Books is not one of them. I decided to go ahead and sign up for a course. The course was $800. So let me tell you, as a little struggling artist, how hard it was to convince myself to spend that money, um, particularly when there are several other potential options that I could take from some free courses that exist to learning by myself on, you know, the University of YouTube, um, to talking to other people who sell books, or looking for maybe an indie publisher who could take up a little bit of the slack, if not all of it, by taking over some of my novels. I mean, there are really a million different paths to the top of the mountain. And we've talked a little bit about this before, but the fact that so many options exist and that none of them are wrong, each option could potentially be right, depending on who you are, where you're at in your life, what your goals are, all of those things. Having that many ways forward can start to become really overwhelming, especially if you are the same kind of thinker I am, which is I like to analyze every decision I make before I make it until it seems like there's no point in making any decision because I cannot 
weigh the outcomes of all of them. There's no way to predict all of that. And I know for many of us this year, as we came to the end of our discussion on business, we were looking into the year going, there are so many options and so many way forward, so many ways forward. How do I even begin to choose how to put this business together and guess that it's actually going to work? So I did what we have counseled each other to do multiple times. I reached out to some friends and I was like, hey, I need you to help me put my head on straight a little bit because I'm struggling over this option and it's a lot of money to invest up front, but I have lifelong access to this course. It's updated every six months with the newest information on the different platforms that you're learning to use. So it's, it is a value. It's a good value for what it is, but it's still hard to make the leap. And so being able to talk to some friends who none of them are booksellers, mind you, but they know me and they know the way that I think and they know what my goals are. And so they're able to say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about time? How much time do you actually have to devote to learning all of this stuff? Is that something you're willing to do and give up other things in order to spend that time? So they were able to use what they knew of me to help walk me through making this decision. What that means is that they were able to come in and do the reframing for me. So if you've never been here before when we've talked about reframing, essentially reframing is a technique where you're able to take the circumstances around an idea and change them. So you're changing what you tell yourself about the circumstances or decisions. This could look like, I cannot believe I got a flat tire on my way to work. This car is always busting. I'm spending so much money. I'm going to be late, et cetera, et cetera. Or I'm so grateful I have a car and the money to replace this tire, right? So that's same circumstances, different narrative attached to it allows you to feel differently because it is rarely the actual circumstance that makes feelings arise in us. And most of the time it is the narrative, the internal narrative, the thoughts that we attach to that circumstance that actually make us feel some kind of way. So these things are tied together in my head because I can either tell myself, oh my God, there are so many choices. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know which decision to make. There's too many options. Um, any of them could be right and any of them could be wrong. And they work together in 5 million combinations. And oh my God, I'm just going to go draw a picture because I can't think about this anymore. Or I could change the narrative up and tell myself, okay, if most of these options are good, I'm just going to pick one and put my head down and go until I encounter circumstances that tell me otherwise, and then I'll change course on the way. That is a whole lot of a simpler way to deal with it. And it means that if I chose the wrong direction, I can just change course and move closer towards another one. And maybe that'll be the right one. So that's why I wanted to talk about these things together because they're intertwined in my mind, but also because it really... I think speaks to many of the decisions that we have to make as artists where business is concerned and selling is concerned and how do we choose what to sell and how do we choose how to price and all of those things, they can be absolutely overwhelming. But the good news is that we have the ability to make those decisions. And sometimes we just have to settle on one thing and go and be okay with the fact that we can change course if we need to. How does this relate to clients? Like I mentioned earlier in this way. Imagine your client shows up 
and you have five packages and 10 a la carte things and 8 million different ways that you could potentially put things together. And each of those have different pricing attached to them and different rules attached to them. And they have 500 photos to choose from. All of the sudden, the overwhelm becomes relatively clear. Do I want an album plus a piece of wall art plus five prints? What am I going to do with those five prints? Do I give them to the grandmas? Well, then I'm going to have to ship them. What do I do about that? Do I want a frame? Does that go with my house? Do I have to hang it by myself? All of the sudden, as you can imagine, those decisions start to build up on one another and skyrocket. So if we put ourselves understanding what we do about what it takes to make these decisions, how overwhelming they can become and how sometimes we can change the narrative for ourselves, we can use that in play when it comes to our clients. How do we set things up so it is as easy as possible for somebody to make a decision so that they don't feel the need to walk away or default to, can I just have the digitals? Because all of the sudden then they have all of the digitals. They don't have to make these decisions right away. They can wait, right? They can wait and go, you know what? I think I'll just, I'll put a print up. <laughs> I'll print this and I'll put it on the wall. I often think now when we think about digitals um, and the fact that our clients want them, often what they want is to make less decisions and go, I know that if I have those, I can wait and I can, I can make the decisions over time and I don't have to have the pressure of sitting in front of this person and trying to order different sizes and different mounts and all of these things. Now, there are some people who will thrive in that. There are some people who know exactly what they want and making that decision will be easier. But often that means that though they have done the legwork for themselves beforehand. They already know, I want a great big piece of art to go over my fireplace. So when people walk into my house, they see my family. They already know that. And so when it comes to all those additional decisions, like what kind of framing they're gonna have and all of that good stuff, they can make those. And they're willing to spend the money that it takes because they're decisive people. But my guess is that most of us are not working with those kind of people on a regular basis. And if you have, like if that is your target market that you have cultivated to work with you, then I am impressed and I give you a big freaking high five because that's awesome. But for most of us, chances are when we put together our product line, we're not thinking about the fact that all of the decisions that we have to make and all of the decisions that our clients have to make compile on one another and can be overwhelming and can lead to lower sales and less purchasing. So beginning with my issues and then stemming out from there, I want to open up the floor to discussion. If there's anything that you felt like you connected with in that, don't feel like you need to address the whole thing as a whole. I recognize it's a, it's a big, it's a big conversation, but if any piece of that sounded like it connected, um, Feel free to address that, whether it's the pricing part or the overwhelm part <laughs> or changing the narrative a little bit so you can focus better. Grab it and go. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to attempt to cover the whole thing that you just talked about, but I want to go directly to, to the example you gave about overwhelm uh, and the example you gave on, on customers or clients uh, going through that decision process when there's so much to offer. And on the subject of reframe, reframing, that's a perfect example of uh, how we can approach refra reframing a little bit differently, right? So there's all these overwhelming choices, all these questions, all these decisions we have to make. Uh, but usually 
the reason we struggle with them is because there's a different constraint that's forcing us to struggle with them. It's not necessarily because we're overwhelmed and we can't make decisions and so on. So in the case you gave, the constraint is spending money, right? Because if it was a $500 or $200 thing and you're comfortable with it, then you'll make these decisions easily because there is no constraint in your mind. So to me, sometimes it's about figuring out what is it that's driving that situation and how do I reframe my mindset on the constraint itself. And that's where, as an example, as a photographer trying to sell in this case, you know, I would help them by talking about the value, trying to take the money constraint out of the equation so that they're comfortable with it, right? Which may not be easy, but help them reframe how they see the money spent uh, compared to a vacation that costs three times as much or, or whatever they do to, 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 to kind of get value. And by doing that, it may take the focus off what seems to be the issue. Right. So, and, and, you know, in your, in your example, you know, you said $800, that's a lot of money, but maybe reframing how you look at that. And we've talked about money before and investing in your business. And, and maybe that's peanuts when you think about it and you reframe the value you may, the value you're working towards and the impact that money will have on what you're trying to do because you are a hundred percent passionate and you do want to do what you want to do. So again, look for something else, look for that constraint and try to reframe that constraint. And it may open up a whole bunch of uh, doors that, that seem to be closing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good insight as well. And, um, that was essentially the, the help in a way that my friends were able to give me in order to walk through that. And because Becca's here, I can say that she's one of the people I was chatting with, but, um, you know, reminding me that money and time are related and are you willing to put in all of the time it takes to learn all of these things and search them out and compare them for yourselves, for yourself? Or are you willing to trust in somebody who has already been successful and done that and helped other people be successful and they're doing the research and now you benefit from that? And that is where the, that is where the cost goes. And all of a sudden my time is a lot more valued, valuable to me than the money, especially because the time may and probably will almost certainly will outstrip the money. So being able to couch it in those terms and even asking me things like, well, if you went to school for this, how much would it cost you? So just being able to reframe that issue in those ways went a long way towards helping me get over some of the blocks, which those of you who were here for the, the money block um, section of our discussion last month, and in the end of November, that was one of the things I mentioned, you know, growing up in poverty gives you just certain issues around money that are difficult to get over. And as much as you try to tackle those every now and then in the right circumstances, those ugly things are going to rear up and start clouding your vision. But even in those cases, even where the potential of being able to spend the money was there, if there were three different classes that were all $800 and all of them had good reviews, if they were all good options, it would still be a real task. If even if I dealt with the issue around money to choose between which class to take, because all of the options make things difficult. And the reason I'm bringing that up is not just because it's, it's only related to making a decision like this. This is a daily life decision 
issue for me. And I will default. If I start to get overwhelmed with, with too many things, I will default and run away and find something to do that makes me feel better. And usually that's making something. Um, because I just feel the need to hide from all of the potential things that I could be choosing or doing. Um, so it extends beyond that, but just, you know, it was kind of using as an example for some of the reasons why we may have, or we may be feeling difficulty or finding difficulty and get our clients to purchase. If you look at your menu and there's 8 million things on there. Um, if you've ever been to a restaurant, if you've ever been to a restaurant that has a menu that's like 12 pages long and then the waitress shows up and she's like, so what can I get for you? And do you need a couple more minutes? Yeah, I definitely need a couple more minutes. I'm trying to imagine myself eating the chicken or the tacos or the steak or this or that or the other thing. If you go to a really high end restaurant, most of the time you have many, many fewer options. The prices are much higher, but you don't have, you still, you're still going to order. You're going to pay more for less options but you believe that those options are better in some way. They're like locally sourced or they're in season or prepared to a certain degree, et cetera, et cetera. So um, changing the value statement, changing the options, lessening the options, even for higher prices, is still really workable if you make sure that you understand what you're getting out of the equation, even if the prices are way higher. That makes sense which relates to my own circumstances in this case, but I'm hoping it will relate to other folks as well. <laughs> so don't leave me hanging here on my own. Do you have any thoughts around any of the good stuff that I've mentioned this morning? Cause I'm hoping just to make myself a case study for conversation. Don't feel like that this does not need to be about me y'all. I'm just kind of using myself as an example and hoping that other people who have the same experiences or who have these issues with clients might be able to pick up on some of these things. Of course it relates to all of us, Nicole. I think, you know, I get overwhelmed the same way you do. And I think we've had this conversation is that there's always a lot of decisions to make. There's always something else to do. And when high achievers start to look at everything and they want to take it upon themselves to achieve everything, then it becomes overwhelming very quickly. The the way that I've been able to address it for me, because I know that that's exactly what I do. I, I buy the courses that I have created value in my head. Like this is what I need. This is what I need to move forward. And I buy the course and I can justify the cost. And then I see another one. And then I see another one and I see another one and I start buying all these courses. And then I'm overwhelmed because I've got too many courses. And now I'm like, well, shit, I don't even have the time to watch the courses that I just bought that I know are going to get me to the next place. My mind starts going fast and the caffeine kicks in. And then all of a sudden I'm downhill. Right. And I say all of that to, to be like, that's the process that I go through as well. That's the energy that I start to absorb and then put back out to people around me, my clients, my friends, right? This, this sense of overwhelm. So the one way that I've been able to kind of move past it is it's, it's hard. It's kind of like ripping a bandaid off. It's make the decision, move on, live with the consequences, course correct down the line. Instead of spending time just trying to think through all the angles, putting my analytical brain to work and thinking through every permutation and either feeling good or getting anxiety and thinking through all the options, I just make a decision and move on. That helps me just get to the next step. 
Now, when it comes to my clients, and I loved what Bassam was saying about client education and reframing the way that they see value in things. I've had that conversation with clients a bunch of times that come to me and they say, oh, I'm not spending $5,000. Can I just get the digitals? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's $5,000. And when I understand that they don't value photography the way that I thought they did, we have that conversation around value reframing it for them so that they can make the decision that's best for them. I think overwhelm, whether it's pricing, whether it's courses, whether it's our own life, what shirt do I put on today? All we're doing is trying to make the best decision, but by going that route, by analyzing it from every direction, we're actually paralyzing ourselves. At least that's what I believe. So the faster that you can make the decision, get from A to B and just keep moving forward, I feel like that eliminates a lot of that anxious feeling, that overwhelm, that cluttered brain. Um, that's what seems to work for me. Are you a quick decision maker, Nicole? Like, Or are you like me and you analyze everything from 100 different angles? So... I think you really touched on it there. And that's one of the things I've been trying to do over the last, I don't know, probably year or so. And it's, it's a struggle for me. And I think you're absolutely right. Either we spend the time on the front end trying to imagine our way through a bazillion decisions and what's going to be the right answer, which is a terrible thing to do because my imagination is far more capable of dragging me down into holes than real life is. <laughs> um, I have discovered that I can imagine myself into terrible situations that ever never actually happen in real life. Hey, thank you, creative brain. Um, or I do exactly what you said. I put my head down. I make the decision. I live with the consequences and I course correct, which is, which is how many times I have mentioned that idea of inertia being our worst enemy. When we're sitting there not doing anything but thinking everything, we're in a stasis right but once we start to move that's when we can actually change directions instead of trying to imagine our way through everything and so you really hit the nail on the head there with like i think the way that i have to move forward and maybe other folks who experience the same thing the way we have to collectively move forward is just to pick something that seems like it fits and just go um put blinders on and plow ahead but you also touched on like the question of Am I a quick decision maker when it comes to uh, dangerous situations or when a fast decisions need to be made? Yes, I can make good decisions under pressure quickly when it when I have all the time in the world and all the options available to me. Never. <laughs> I think my way laboriously through everything. Until I don't make a decision. So, yeah, that's it's that's the two opposing viewpoints when I'm safe decisions are hell to make when it's in danger or there's a time constraint, I can make decisions real fast. Was it Renee Robin? And I could be wrong with that. Um, that has the, 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 like the three second or the five second rule. And I remember seeing something about this, whether it was a Ted talk or I read an article, but it's, you've got to make that decision in three seconds, um, you don't get to drag it out. And by doing so, you're creating the habits to be a faster decision maker. And you start to identify things a lot more quickly. And you reduce a lot of that clutter in your brain is did I get the name right? Have you heard 
this and maybe someone in the audience has but i have heard the five second rule yeah. spoken of before but i don't believe it was by renee at least she's never i've never heard her say that before but now i have to ask her if she has because i'm curious and and i could absolutely be wrong it's just the the kind of name that popped into my head but the point being that you get to the decisions very very quickly and you know i've been trying that hell this morning i put on i work at home let's let's preface this by saying i work at home i put on five shirts this morning because i couldn't figure out what to wear i work at home in front of a microphone and a computer there's no need for me to be worried about what shirt i'm wearing <laughs> so that's how my day started and i think by looking at what are the quick decisions that i can make to move on the more you build that muscle when it comes to your creativity, your clients, uh, what products you want to put out, how you want to put that out, the decisions come a lot faster. I get paralyzed when I'm creating content. I love creating content. I get paralyzed with creating the graphics around it, right? Becca, for example, doesn't have this problem. Um, me, <laughs> I, I, I get very paralyzed around making it because I want it to be perfect. And I think through all the angles and then I think a different way to do it. And it's infuriating instead of just getting it done, getting it out there, dealing with the the consequences afterwards. So I don't mean that in a cavalier way, just like, you know, YOLO and, and go for it. But, you know, being able to make the small decisions quickly really has helped me um, start to build that library of content that I really like. It'll eventually get released, but it's Stop overanalyzing it. Just move on. Yeah. Well, one of the other things that, that helps me, and, and it, it goes towards building habits uh, towards making uh, quicker or, or better decisions, and I think we talked about it when we discussed decision-making in one of these episodes. Um, I think it, determining or deciding on two or three criteria that you will use to make a decision, because the, you know, with all the overwhelm and all the options, at the end of the day, just find two or three things that are important to you in this specific decision. And then say, which one of the options, here's three options, which one of the options meets these criteria best, as opposed to try to, you know, have 20, 25 different things that are driving your decision and kind of get lost uh, in those 25. So it, it's a habit of saying, okay, what's important in this case? What are the two, three things or four things that I'm going to bounce this decision uh, decision against? And let's do it that way. So not only there's the aspect of time that, that Matt mentioned, so like the five second rule or, or whatever it is, but there's also the how do we how do we make the decision more effective because we we were kind of uh, uh, we, we use an intelligent way to get there. Let's put it that way. And I just wanted to interject very quickly, Mel Robbins, not Renee Robbins. Thank you, Tara, for calling me out on that. I appreciate it, Mel Robbins. Okay. Yes. I, I, I had, uh, I had watched an interview with her where she talked about that. Yes. Um, I, I remember that. Good. Now we know who it is. Um, I was thinking like, I don't think Renee did. I think she struggles as much as I do. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, Renee Robin is a, a Canadian photographer and composite artist. Um, and she's, she's a lovely human. Um, yeah. So there was something else that you mentioned in there as well that I, I kind of immediately latched onto, which is the fact that we only have so much capability to make decision during a day. So uh, as the day goes on, your executive 
decision-making function starts to get worn out. Um, you can think of it like you only have so much money to spend in a day. And every time you make a decision, you spend some of that money. And by the end of the day, you don't have much left. So if you have really important decisions to make, it's not always a good idea to wait till the end of the day. Um, but I have also heard people talk about the fact that if you remove some of the extraneous decision making so that you don't have to make those additional decisions, it leaves you more um, money to spend, let's say, more of your executive function left for those decision making. Um, as an example, people have talked about the fact that the president of the United States doesn't choose what clothes he wears or what he eats during the day or things like that that's prepared for him and set out for him so that he doesn't have to waste any of that executive function on trying to make those decisions. And I'm really curious about if I were to pare down a lot of those things during the day, when you mentioned getting dressed, Matt, I immediately connected with that because I am terrible at clothing myself. And I mean this with the deepest and most profound, it is one of the struggles of my life, y'all. Like, if you were to be like, hey, I'm in town, can I meet you for coffee somewhere? I would be like, yeah. And then I would spend 40 minutes picking up, putting down clothes, putting things on, taking them off, asking myself, does this look crazy? Do I look fat in this? Does this match the other thing? What, I mean, I, I can't make decisions about, I don't even, yeah, I don't wanna get into it because it's one of the banes of my existence, but even just going into that far, you should understand that it's a struggle for me. So I do wonder if I were to be one of those people who like, I'm just gonna buy 12 of the exact same shirt and pants that I like, and that is what I'm gonna wear on a regular basis, except for maybe special occasions. If that would leave more of that executive decision-making money in my proverbial wallet so that I, when I needed it to be there for other things, I wouldn't have to struggle so much. So that's that's kind of one of the other potential things that I, you know, could be a, a way to save ourselves a little bit from for those of us who struggle with that. Um, I see. Let's see. I'm grabbing you, MM Photo. Hello, Michelle. I'm grabbing you, bringing you up. Um, whoop. If anybody else in the audience today has any thoughts on these struggles and how it is just related overall to being happy people, being artists, trying to sell things, uh, feel free to raise your hand and we'll grab you up. There we go. So Carol's here with us. Michelle, I'm not sure why you're not showing up on here. I have hit the invite or the invite button. I want to make sure you have a, a chance to share. There you go. Good morning, Michelle. We'll have you go first since you had your hand up first and then we'll hear from Carol. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm just now having my coffee, so I'm not quite awake, but um, um, I, I missed part of the first part of, so can you fill me in a little bit on what this topic is? Yeah, we're just kind of talking about um, sometimes having many decisions or compiling decisions to make can become overwhelming, force us to shut off a little bit, affect our ability to make good decisions. And sometimes that that is related to where we might struggle with clients and um, helping them to make decisions by using some techniques like reframing or Bassam, as Bassam mentioned, um, you know, helping find where the value is at for them so we can walk them through that. And maybe that's a, a core thing that we can do in our own decision-making process as well. So that's, that's what we're chatting about today. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I, I know of Mel Robbins that Matt was talking about, and um, I agree with some of that. Like, I mean, not some of it, but like quite a lot of it. I think if if I would 
um, just not overthink things, um, that would help me a lot. Um, I also struggle with, like Matt was talking about, like just when I'm creating something um, that I hear all the time, done is better than perfect. That's what I have to tell myself in my head. Um, you know, just get it done. You can refine it later. Um, you don't have to over, over re look at it and re overthink it, overthink it, overthink it and um, change it so many times. Just do it, get the result of what's, you know, put it out there, get the result and then um, refine it from your results or your, um, you know, when people respond to it, um, that kind of thing. As far as clients and decision making, um, I, I, I probably overthink when I'm going to have a shoot. Um, so many things, um, the, the way I shoot it, um, the clothing, uh, as you say, the clothing I'm wearing, am I going to be comfortable? Uh, um, I don't know if that has to do with the topic, but yes, I can relate to quite a few of those things. Yeah, certainly. I think the, the decision-making process for us as well, when we're talking about, you know, being able to be creative and, and create things for clients, that is a struggle also. Um, so yeah, there's a lot there. And I, I do, I have found that often putting my head down and pulling forward and the idea that done is better than perfect has been a really big help to me. Um, but clearly when the stakes, at least in my mind, are a little bit higher then obviously, as it was with this damn course, the decision becomes a lot more difficult for me to make. So those things are, are definitely my experience. And now I'm sitting over here thinking about how I can just get rid of all my clothes and buy like five things and just wear them over and over and over again. So I'll probably obsess about that for like two days. <laughs> Carol, would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Um, I really like the idea of streamlining the energy and the decision making to break, you know, to when I'm looking at so many decisions that I could be making, um, just even deciding which decision to make. That's where what Bassam said helped because, okay, it defines my focus and um, as far as executive function, oh my gosh, yes, I have trouble with that. Um, and they call it analysis paralysis. Basically, in the ADHD rooms, it's really helped for me to, you know, talk to other people and realize that other people have these same issues and there's all kinds of ways of dealing with them. Um, the idea of making it easy for customers, I need to make for me <laughs> to to proceed and then I can make it easy for potential customers because I think I'm not even to the point of having it easy enough for me at this point um, and then I so relate of course to the you know being raised in poverty and anytime you make a money decision having it uh, being kind of crippling, but, you know, I try and be like really, really careful and do, um, work out prior to doing that and still 
I have gotten burnt over and over. I saved up for this course that was going to show you how to go from pattern design, which I don't need to learn how to do pattern design. They did spend a lot of time on that. Um, but they said, you don't need any technical skills. You know, you don't need to, to know any programs or anything like that. And then I get in the course and they were using Photoshop and Illustrator, which is a technical skill. And then, um, then they said, okay, over the weekend, our weekend project is going to be set up a website. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know how to do any of that. So I had saved up $2,500 over a couple years for this course. And I did research and they did have a good name and all that, but it wasn't. And so, wow, when you have something like that in your past, it makes it even harder, you know, when finances are limited. But I really like from the beginning what um, Bassam also said about, um, let's see, no, not, I'm going to have to find where it was, but um, to think what's driving the the indecision and reframe it and boy do i need to reframe all the time i have to constantly say it's not about me like with the original talk um and yet <laughs> it always kind of feels like it's about me <laughs> so anyway yes uh i relate so much to this and this has really helped the idea of simplifying it um and you know to to begin to learn to make small decisions quickly really helps a lot to figure out the two to three things as criteria i you know taken massive notes now i just need to apply them but basically streamline the energy and decision making is the biggest takeaway for me um i appreciate that thank you i'm done yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And I think that's that's something that's definitely going to apply to me as well that I need to be able to work on as time goes by. And I want to poke Becca a little bit this morning because she was really instrumental in helping me at least the other day. So um, I think you have some great insights there, Becca, that are worthwhile to share. Sure. Well, I absolutely struggle with executive dysfunction. I can let myself become a completely frazzled mess. And yeah, um, and I will, I will fight Matt on his pointing out that I can make <laughs> decisions quickly with my art and stuff. I cannot. Um, if any of you guys were in our uh, Artist After Hours stream the other day, uh, I know Nicole got to witness me obsessing over a wall for like an hour and a half, which was completely unnecessary. I could have just left it and been done. Um, so one thing that works really well for me in all sorts of decision making is kind of gamifying the process and putting limitations in place to make me have to make those kinds of decisions. Uh, so if you think of, you know, playing the game, like there's rules and there's time limits and there's scores that you have to meet. And so putting those limitations in place really, really helps me just get the shit done because otherwise I will obsess. Like if I think about if I have to make a decision and I'm going to sit down and make like a list of the pros and the cons between my three different options, I can't do that. I'm just going to obsess over that for hours on hours or days on days. That's not going to benefit me at all. So I need to put something in place to help me make that decision more quickly, like that five second rule that was mentioned um, earlier as well. So like if I have to make a big purchase, 
often like I'll put rules in place. Like I'm only going to make this purchase when I know it's going to be on sale. And I know there's an hour limit, you know, when this sale is going to be, um, often I'll even push it off towards the end. So I know I have 45 minutes until this price is gone. So I have to make this decision right away. Uh, or I'll even like manipulate myself with, um, big purchases. Like a course, like if I was going to buy this $800, you know, book selling course, um, I might, you know, go look at my bank and see if they have like a, you know, credit card opportunity with, you know, 0% APR or whatever for the first year. And then I know, okay, I don't have to pay anything extra. I can pay this off over 12 months. And in order to win at this process, I have to pay it off within that time frame. So I have a goal. I have a way to kind of keep score of what that means. And then I also get the added benefit of like, okay, if I pay this off and whatever, and I get every, all my ducks in a line, it's going to raise my credit score. And then that's also part of that winning scorekeeping process for me. So putting those limitations in place, even things, shorter things, like I have one hour to finish this piece of art. I have five minutes to get as many dishes done as I possibly can. Like putting the restrictions there makes it a challenge instead of allowing me the freedom to just worry and worry and worry and sink into my depression pit. Ooh, that was so good. I really like the idea of gamifying that as well. And something that a lot of folks had mentioned in that conversation was putting those, um, imposing those restrictions upon yourself so that you do have rules that you have to follow in order to make, you know, these things work for you. And interestingly enough, when it comes to, I've learned to do this for myself when it comes to drafting a novel. So as you can imagine, when you are creating an entire world and scenario from your imagination, nothing exists but options. What do people look like? What do they say? What do they wear? Where are they from? What is that culture like? How do they show up? What are they going to do in this environment, in this situation when so-and-so jumps off the ledge? What are they going to do? Like there's literally nothing but potential when you are in those circumstances. And as a writer, it's not just the circumstances that you have to worry about, but it is also the um it is also the writing itself how does it sound how does it flow what is the prose like should i use these things in this circumstance like it it can become completely overwhelming and so many writers it will take several years to write a book because the process takes so much time and energy so what i do and what many writers do and have realized is the fact that you just have to get it out you're not allowed to go back you're not allowed to rewrite you're not allowed to fuss over the way that a sentence is worded. You literally just have to write it and it doesn't, you don't get to do anything else. Um, and so I have imposed limitations on myself when it comes to being able to draft a novel. This is not the rewrite, just the, the very first draft and get it out. If I'm confused about something or if I haven't chosen a name for a person or a place, I just type in three capital X's so that it's easy to find later on and I go. I'm not allowed to go back and research things. I'm not allowed to do any of that. I just have to write. You write until it's done. And using that technique, I learned that I can draft an entire almost 100,000 word novel in a month. If I just go, I can come back and rewrite it, but I'm done now. I've made it. It is created. And now I actually have something to work with. It's like, I just had this analogy pop into my head, but it's like trying to design a vase in your head without ever having the clay in your hands versus going, I'm just going to grab the clay and start designing. And then all of a sudden, if I recognize I don't like something, I can fix it. But if I don't even have the clay in my hands, all I'm doing is torturing myself with potentiality that doesn't even exist yet. So 
I really like that idea, Becca, of imposing those limitations on yourself because I'm not allowed to go back and reread. I'm not allowed to go back and fuddle with senses. I'm not allowed to go do a whole bunch of research on the internet. I'm not allowed to go to some name generator and fight myself over 50 million potential options for names. All of those things are off the table. And having those limitations allows me to make those decisions much, much more easily. This is Carol. Um, I would like to know other ways to gamify it. And then the other thing based on what Becca said is I think if I can ask myself, how can I create a win here? And that might change the, the focus and reframe it in a positive way. And it takes away a lot of those things that are cluttering, you know, those decisions. If how can I simply, how can I create a win? Well, the, the least I can do is X and, but other ways of gamifying. Cause yeah, that's one thing I suggested in, in the, when I was talking about originals on my, on the artist forge on the Facebook page. Thanks. It's all you Becca. Let's uh, get into a little bit more about this idea of gamification and how we can take advantage of that and um, and give ourselves wins so that we feel like we can move forward with our decisions a little bit more easily. Well, can I get a little more specifics to give a little bit more specific advice? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, um, Carol, do you do you want to refine that question a little bit so Becca feels like she has something specific she can answer? Okay, um, like say a task sorting through massive amounts of things. How can I gamify it? I mean, other than the limitations. I mean, you could even do something as simple as assigning yourself points. Uh, I, I don't know how comfortable you are with things like lists or, you know, charts or notebooks or apps or things like that. Um, there's definitely a lot of apps out there that can help with that, especially if you're visual. Um, like I use an app uh, for keeping a track of like work tasks for the most part. And I like the fact that I can just like cutely drag them off and then poof, they're gone. Um, you know, but you can even be like, okay, if I get through these amount of emails, I have earned five points, you know, or I have finished you know, this artwork today, that's 10 points. Um, you know, it, it really kind of depends on specifically which tasks you're approaching and which you're struggling with. And you can design that game however you want. If the, you know, what are the rules of the game? Um, is it something that is numbers-based? Is it something that is time-based? Is it something that, you know, is more puzzle-based? Uh, there's so many different kinds of games out there based on the individuality of your task list. Right. Yeah. So this could be something like I, I have to, I don't have to sort everything, but I'm giving myself 10 minutes to sort all of the canvases. And if I can do that, I get to go have a cookie. Literally, that's something I would reward myself with as a cookie. But that's a, that's a potential option. Yeah, the reward thing is big too. Um, you know, if it's something like, um, like I know I've mentioned this before, like I don't allow myself to like binge watch TV unless I'm actively performing some other task. And I've been doing this with reading too. Um, so like I, um, I'm trying to get in at least like 10,000 steps or I want to hit 15,000 steps a day, which is ambitious. Um, so 
how do I do that? If I want to read a book, I'm going to be walking while I'm reading. Uh, if I want to watch TV, I'm going to be weightlifting while I watch TV. So I'm hitting multiple things off my list of things that I need to accomplish, but I also know I'm setting those limitations in place for myself. So it's like, I can't do X unless I do Y. And there is that reward then of accomplishing the task. Yes, that that helps. And also you made me think of um, when you said list. Okay, first of all, I can limit it in the space that I'm working on for one thing. And then the reward thing sometimes is simply having it written on a post-it note and getting to crumble that post-it note at the end. Something visual, something physical that I do to show, okay, I've moved past this task. So my gamifying needs to be along those lines, I think. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. The The post-it idea is fantastic. You know, having something physical to remove, you know, or physical to do, like, you know, like I mentioned, my swiping things off my own personal list, you know, it, it creates a sense of satisfaction, throw it away, close the program, you know, close your office door, whatever that is, like something that is final and you can really feel that win. Sometimes is what helps me is when I don't like paralyze myself by thinking I need this big chunk of time, like Becca's saying, like, you, you know, you do something else while you're, you know, you add something to an already existing habit and that helps get stuff done, that helps me get stuff done, but it also is what really helps me is if I don't paralyze myself in thinking I need a two hour chunk of time, which I never get, I sometimes I just think, just do it for 20 minutes. Just do it for, do you have 15 minutes? Just do it for 15 minutes or lay out something, you know, where I can see it on the table, where I know I need to get it done and just do 20 minutes of it or, you know, that helps me to catapult me like that 1%. If I can do it just 1% each day, it'll eventually get done. Thank you. That's a really great observation, Michelle. And for those folks who have not read um, Atomic Habits, it's, it's, it's been kind of a book that we've been chatting partially about in here for a while. But um, that is one of those things that is mentioned in there is it's in a big way, you're, you're giving yourself an out, right? Saying, I only have to do this for two minutes. That's it. I, but I do have to do it. So two minutes is all I need. That's fine. And then once we have that, um, what we're doing is actually practicing showing up. And we're we're reminding ourselves we can show up for ourselves when we need to. So that's a really, really fantastic way to kind of add to how do I continue to action these things without overwhelming myself beforehand. And then um, I wanted to mention, Carol, you brought up the post-it notes. For folks who have never heard of a Kanban board, um, I encourage you, if you are a visual, physical person and that helps you with your decision making, um, go look that up. It's essentially, and you can do this, mine is a whiteboard. Um, um, like a dry erase board. But what you do is you make, you take a dry erase board and you section it off into thirds. And the first third is tasks that you need to get done. The second third is things that you are in the process of doing. And the last third is things you have completed. And so some people will do this by month. Some people will do it by task. Some people will do it by quarter. But um, I have found that the, the task of taking the, the, you have the list of things there. So I need to 
um, finish writing the third book. I need to get a landing page on my website. I need to create a loss leader for readers. I need to do all of these things. Once it's, once I'm ready to work on a task, I take it and I stick it on the middle, which is these are the tasks I'm currently working on. Once something is done, I get to take it off and I get to put it on the side that says maybe kicked ass or, you know, something like that. So I'm really motivated. And eventually what you see is those things migrate across the board. And at the end, when you're done with your board, you have this whole section that's filled with things that you got done and you look at it and you're like, I am amazing. And as it starts to fill up, you start to feel even more capable. So for folks who are physical like that, a Kanban board might be a, a really great way to not only organize yourself, but make you feel like you're making positive movement forward. Is it C-O-N-B-O-N, just like it, it is, sounds? It is K-A-N-B-A-N. Oh, okay. I'm glad. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Kanban, yeah. It's a, I think it's a, a Japanese, um, I've heard that it's Japanese, but I've never looked deeply, deeply into it. But yeah, so that might be a way for folks. It's a, yeah, it's a Kanban. The Kanban is a, is a principle within the lean manufacturing, the Japanese Toyota way. And just be careful when you research it. There, the, the can research. Uh, sorry, uh, search for Kanban board. What Nicole's talking about? Because there's a lot of article on the actual lean manufacturing part of uh, Kanban uh, system. So just Kanban board. Perfect. Okay, y'all. As we and I gotta, to, I've got to run. Oh, have, go a, have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Bye. Have a good one, my friend. Um. All right, y'all. So as we come to the end of this hour, I want to just make sure we have allowed for any final thoughts that we have, whether it is on, you know, how we deal with the overwhelm and decision making or how we reframe some of these narratives that we have so that it's easier to make decisions. Um, anything along those lines, or if anybody has said anything today that you thought, oh, that was for me this is super helpful even if you're still in the audience feel free to raise your hand and come up and let's begin closing all this down today i'm not sure if my clubhouse was acting a little bit funky but i missed a little bit of what you just said there nicole in terms of final thoughts i think overwhelm is real i think organization is difficult for a lot of us because our our imaginations are so vivid and we do so many things and we multitask and you know the small decisions start to become the nagging part of our day so i'll reiterate what i said at the beginning start small start taking some of these decisions where you're like i don't know what i should have today to for lunch just pick something just go with it deal with the consequences after if you make a bad decision, you didn't choose the right thing for lunch, choose something different tomorrow. It's really not worth it to your overall health, stress level, um, interactions with people to get that overwhelmed. So start small, try to make decisions a little bit faster. And I think you'll find that as that mental muscle builds, you'll start to feel less and less overwhelmed over time. That is really helpful. Thanks. All right, so today we just had a really fantastic discussion on decision-making, on overwhelm, on how we deal with these things. And we've had several really great suggestions from streamlining things to making decisions a little bit faster, to 
changing the narrative around the decisions that we're making. So telling ourselves something different that's more helpful instead of getting stuck in that analysis paralysis. We talked about gamifying a little bit, about giving ourselves some imposed limitations, about rewarding ourselves, about giving ourselves something physical that we can use as a real representation of having made these decisions. Um, and we've also talked about the fact that sometimes removing those extraneous decisions that aren't really that important, but take away some of our the money in our, our decision-making wallet um, can be a really great way to make it easier not to be overwhelmed and to be able to make these decisions that are gonna impact us in a way that is a lot more functional for us. And um, I would say, you know, as you mentioned something bad and I immediately thought, you know, for our imaginations, we both, it's a double-edged sword for creatives because we have this imagination that lets us do the kind of work that we do, but then it also, it cuts us on the other end with our, our suffering, you know, we imagine all of these ways for ourselves to suffer. It's a ridiculous thing to do to ourselves, yet we, we seem to keep doing it. Um, so recognizing what we're doing and that it is our imagination and that these things are not always rooted in truth is also a really great way to kind of cut some of those things off before they start to mess with the rest of our life. Um, and then finally, <coughs> excuse me, that came out of nowhere. Um, and then finally, as we close the room down for today, okay. I would encourage everybody to, if you have not joined the Artist Forge Facebook group, the link is up there at the top. Come and join us there. We are closing up the January challenge today. We had a lot of really cool photos get shared um, that we are making with the camera phone. So the only, the only rule is you have to make it with the phone on your, or the camera on your phone. Um, and hashtag it January challenge in the group tonight. We are going to be getting together for the live stream that will be in the Facebook group and also on YouTube on Nicole Creates um, and on the Facebook page as well. But we're going to be getting together. We're going to be chatting about the things that we've already gone over this month, as well as uh, looking at those and practicing our visual literacy skills. You know, that's a main tenet of the Artist Forge is visual literacy. So we're going to be using that to have a look at some of these images. And I can already tell by some of the stuff that's been shared. It's gonna be fun to break these down um, and, and ask ourselves what they make us feel and if we can figure out why. And then also really encourage everybody to head over to the artistforge.com. Um, there is a podcast and a short blog post with a full transcript of the podcast going up every day. So we're making that available to everyone. Um, so make sure that you do that. Come and hang out with us tonight. Tomorrow is the last meetup in the morning of the week. So if you know somebody, who might benefit from being here and being able to be part of these discussions or from the articles in the blog blog post. We're really asking if you wouldn't mind sharing. We wanna help as many people as we can. Um, and so we're asking everybody just to get the word out. Let folks know that we're here if you think that they could benefit from the kind of things that we talk about here in the Artist Forge. And in the meantime, hope everybody has a fantastic day. Go and make something amazing. We'll see you all bright and early tomorrow morning or tonight. Be there tonight in the Artist Forge for the live stream. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.